you were giving us like a quick update about like what you've been up to lately. Um, you can continue with that as well as like just giving a, a little introduction of who you are and everything. Yeah, totally. Um, so, hey, I'm Brian Brinkman. I'm an artist in the space. Um, you may have seen my work on like Super Rare or Nifty Gateway or Art Blocks or Async or a whole bunch of other places. I kind of put my art all over the place. I love creating for every type of weird genre or medium they have out here. Uh, I've been in the space about, I would say, two and a half years now. I joined at the very beginning of 2020. And uh, from before that, I worked in like television and advertising. And I did motion graphics and visual effects and animation for all sorts of things for many, many years. Um, but then, yeah. And then I, I've just kind of been in this journey for a while now. About a year and a half ago, I left my, my real world job. I was working on shows back then. Uh, to do NFTs full time, and now I'm I'm a full time artist, and but I'm also uh, an advisor and a whole lot of projects, and a um, member in a whole lot of DAOs, and you know, it it I I try to spread my activity all over the place because I have uh, crazy ADHD, and this space is like nonstop uh, lights and flashing objects, so it's uh, it's all I do all day, and I love it. Yeah, for sure. That- that's that's the name of the game in web three it's just constantly back and forth on everything but um to get started with why don't you kind of talk about uh what your career was like starting just being a creator and and getting out there and doing cool shit totally yeah so my career let's see uh i started when i was in high school making like internet content I uh, would make these animations and post them on this website called Newgrounds, uh, which was like a flash cartoon website uh, pre pre YouTube days. Uh, but you'd make those, and then you'd get like comments. And I got really hooked on like seeing what people would say about the art I made. And usually it was, you know, they had this thing where it's like if you got votes, if anything, if you got below like three out of five stars, you got deleted from the website. So it was always this challenge to see if you could make something that got enough like thumbs up that it didn't get <laughs> taken off the website. Um, so I did that in high school and then um, I decided I kind of wanted to get into animation. So I went to school in Philadelphia, this place called university of the arts and I got a degree in traditional animation. Uh, and then during that time I was like interning on some like an MTV show called like wonder shows and doing like music videos and all sorts of like side projects. And then eventually when I graduated, I moved up to New York, started working in uh, fashion advertising, doing like motion graphics and web stuff. I was kind of a Jack of all trades so that they would have me doing like motion graphics, websites, uh, photoshops, whatever. Um, did that for a while until I ended up working on a, an HBO cartoon called lifetimes of Tim, which took me out to LA for a little bit. Uh, came back to New York, worked on some like and some like toy commercials for a while. Then I worked on an MTV series called like Girl Code and Guy Code, which was like a silly TV show. And then eventually I worked on uh, the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and uh, Saturday Night Live. And then while I was doing that, I was also doing, you know, gallery shows for my own work on the side. And I was directing music videos and making like concert posters. And so I was always kind of working these jobs, but then trying to find ways to do my own art on the side. Uh, and whether it was just creating content for sites like Tumblr and all this other stuff, 
Uh, and so that kind of led me to when I discovered NFTs. I discovered them because I had collected art, art from this guy named Killer Acid, who's an awesome artist in the space. Um, and so I have, I have like his physical work. And so when I saw him tweeting about Super Rare, because he was one of the first Super Rare artists, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. You can like sell animated GIFs. And so then I looked into the space. I kind of learned about it. And then I applied to Super Rare. And so that was that was my entry into the space. Like my first mint was uh, February 2020. Nice, nice. Um, and somewhere in there, there was a eventual kind of leap into becoming full-time Web3 slash like crypto artist. What what was taking that leap like and, and what led to that decision? Um, yeah, uh, it was a scary leap, but there was a point, I would say about a year into my NFT journey where I had started to, I was having some traction, I was selling some work and then I was starting to see like my secondary stuff sell and like one of my nifty gateway pieces sold for like, I don't know, like $10,000 or something. And that was when I was like, oh, there's a huge amount of people that are now like rooting for me to succeed in this space and they're investing their money in me doing that. So it's, it only makes sense for me to devote all my energy to that and see if I can make it work. Um, and so that, that kind of inspired me to kind of put in my notice on those shows, um, which was scary, but I'd also worked on Fallon for like eight years. So I was already kind of like, you know, it started after like 1600 episodes, you start to feel like a little bit, you know? Uh, and so, yeah, I think there was, there was that weight of responsibility towards people that are supporting me. That was a big aspect of it. And then the other aspect was like, um, I really saw web three as the next phase. And I kind of told them that when I left, I was like, you know, this, this is what the app store was eight years ago when every company was like, Hey, we we have to get on the app store. We have to have an app. And they don't really know what they want, but everyone wants to be on it. And uh, I, I kind of foresaw that. And so I was like, well, even if my art doesn't necessarily catch on or anything, but it'll probably work in the Web3 world because there's just going to be all these brands and things coming into the space. And it's just going to be a new career path for animators and designers and motion graphic artists anyway. So to me, it just seemed like a, a, you know, a, a, the next leap in terms of a creative world. Hell yeah! It, that that sounds very exciting um, to to be able to, to take that risk. But um, yeah. So yeah how how would you compare um, kind of being the type of creative that has that that kind of loves to jump around from project to project and and work on different things and and be that jack of all trades? How would you compare doing that in Web two to doing that in Web three? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I was, I, how do I phrase this? When I worked in those NBC shows, every single day I had a new list of things to make because they're all topical daily news shows. And so pretty much every single day it would be a challenge. It would be like, okay, you have from 10 to 4 p.m. to make XYZ and then it airs, and it airs and then you start fresh the next day. And so when I started joining the NFT space, I saw it as, oh, I can spend a week on something and then put it on super rare. And this is actually like the opposite of, you know, I can actually like work something a little harder than I, I have on my normal time. Uh, and so I saw that as the first appeal. But then once this became my 
full-time job, then it was like, okay, how do I juggle a million things at once? And then as you grow in the space, you start to get wrangled into a whole lot of different projects, whether it's, uh, you know, I'm an advisor on ChangeDAO, and so I'm in a meeting talking about like a charity NFT platform, and then I have a call with you know Nifty Gateway to talk about how to like improve their website or like my next drop. And so like there's a million like you always have a list of things to keep you busy. It's more just a matter of like when you wake up, how are you going to structure your day to try and knock out as many things as you can? But in the end, the space also it's like you, spending time on Twitter and just messing around is a part of the job in my mind. It's like connecting with other people, hanging with each other, memes and all that. That's that's a part of um, the marketing of yourself in a way. And so it's to me, it's just like, it, again, like I have ADHD, all that stuff. And there's just, doesn't really matter if you're being productive on art or making jokes on Twitter. It's all building uh, your your content in a way. Mm. Yeah, we for love sure. The content. I love, I love that um, that note. How you said like like Web three lets you be more drawn out and more thoughtful about uh, about how you produce this content, and and also like in the same in the same vein, it's like the more casual stuff can, or or the more um, the more everyday stuff can be much more casual, and it, it's not always like a sprint to get something done and not always as monotonous as well. Yeah, I think the space does feel like it is almost artificially fast at times where you like a project will drop and then you have to monitor the value of the project for like every minute. And like sometimes I think that's like kind of this artificial like race to the top or bottom or wherever that's going. And I've become a little more burnt out on that aspect of the space because that's, that's where you see a lot of burnout is people that are just trying to like you know, pump and dump projects left and right multiple times a day. Like I can't do that. So I'm much, I'm, I, I, I certainly play the PFP game. I have fun with that, but I'm not as good at it. And I, I much prefer to invest in like long-term art. That's real. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of fight for attention in the web three economy. Do you have any, um, do you, do you have any advice on, on like just how to, how to do well as, as a creator or an artist um, when, when you have to be uh, fighting for attention a lot of the time with, with all these different projects. Yeah. Um, I think one key aspect, and there's a million ways to do this is to find ways to get people to get off of Twitter or to get like have a link that takes them away from Twitter or away from discord and it's you know the algorithm might fight that but uh you know when i first started i was making crypto voxel um galleries for my drops and it's like just forcing someone to go away from the feed and like look at your art and learn about it for a minute whether it's a blog post or a youtube video you made or whatever like like you said it's, uh, the attention economy is insane and if you can get someone to take a few seconds or even a minute to like absorb what you're creating that's like crucial for an artist to get attention in this space so thinking of interesting ways to like um lure them away from you know the constant feed of like influencer no that's actually that was a good point yeah i've never actually thought about it like that but like um i mean like really like drawing people away from just the constant whatever constant like kind of bullshit you see on the tl and it's just like you know like he it really kind of forces people to 
really get more in touch with like uh, your work and uh, you know like who you are as an artist. I mean, your intent and statements behind all of your pieces they're going to get lost in 140, 280 characters, whatever we're at now. And you know, it's not likely to give anybody really a reason to care. Yeah, I mean, I think the, a great example of that within Twitter is the thread. A thread is a, a great way for some. If someone clicks into a thread, essentially, they're away from their timeline and they're just looking at whatever you've curated this long list. And that's the same same idea of just like you you've kind of stolen them away from everybody else for at least a moment. That's true. I always I always thought like threads were like so divisive because like as soon as like I see that like thread emoji like this is me personally speaking it's just like <laughs> yeah. i just get on autom- my first instinct is just get automatically annoyed yeah <laughs> and, like, no, it's... I, I, I don't mind a short thread it's when you see these ones that are like 70 tweets long you're like okay this could have been an article um but yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh but like i i bought a piece on super Air today and instead of just saying hey i bought this piece i made it a thread where i made like zoomed in highlights of things i liked about the piece and i think that again, is another example of like, you're letting people kind of admire the piece a little deeper than they would if they just saw the thumbnail of it really quickly on their timeline. No, that's actually, uh, that's actually a really good point. Cause, um, I know I saw the piece that, uh, you bought, by the way, I really liked it, but if you, if that's not featured in the thread or something, I'm personally not zooming in on that. And when you don't zoom in on that, you miss all the little details. You miss the intricacies. It almost kind of, doesn't do the work justice because you're not actually spending the time to really for lack of a better word really nitpick it right oh we got we got we got pinned up if uh, everyone wants to load and yeah load that uh, up and yeah no that's a he's he's an awesome artist um it's an insane piece uh i think it took him like over a month to draw um but uh yeah, I think like, you know, that's an example of someone else's work. I try to do it with my works where it's like I have the main piece and then I write about how I made it or something like that. Like it, there's different ways. Some I used to write these blogs on Scent. You guys remember Scent? Uh, oh, <laughs> you know? God. Yeah. What a throwback. What a throwback. Oh, my God. Yeah. How's, um, that, how's that dude who bought like that tweet for two mil doing? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, that was when scent kind of changes when they switched gears over to the, the, the what was it? I forget they had a name, like scent valuables or something. Something um, like that. But scent, when I joined, was like where artists communicated. You know, it was where you had to like share your work because Twitter wasn't really popping. And Discord was also not not very vast. It was like the work in progress with uh, uh, Token Smart Discord. And that was about it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would write these blogs and I'd be like, here's here's my piece. Here's why I made it. And here's how I made it. And I would like break down a little bit, uh, which I think has come in handy. And as I, you know, looking back on it, because then you have this kind of proof of work that, you know, no one's going to come at you and say, hey, you ripped this off or whatever, because you can go say, hey here's a blog post about how I made that piece and why. And I think that that becomes a valuable part of the history of the piece. And so, uh, you know, I look, I look forward to more things like that coming. I, I'm surprised that there isn't other set that has popped up in that last year or two. Yeah, really though. Uh, cause it, I think you're right. I feel like that's something that someone could really capitalize on because, you know, as you said, like it kind of provides that like 
little history and everything but also also like at least my opinion just like when i like when i personally read like through some of those threads or like you know see people like being their you know true like authentic like artistic selves instead of the like the pseudo bastardized uh wag me version um it's it kind of invokes like that much more of a connection more much of a connection to the artist and you know you get invested maybe not financially but emotionally in trying to see them win yeah i think you nailed it it's about the connection because if you look at my journey uh i was writing those scent things in february and march and then uh one of the creators of scent uh nifty time matthew um he was like hey i have this podcast you want to come on it and talk about your work and then that exposed me to a new crew of people. And then that got me invited on to the whip meetup. And now two years later, he's my producer at gateway. And so we're st- still connected. That's crazy. So it's, it's, it's pretty wild to think about like, you know, these little things you do compound and those connections last. For sure. And, and the crazy thing is too, is like these, like the connections are important because it may not seem like it at times, but like circles are really small here. Like you never, you have no idea how, like what's gonna happen in the future. Like you know, uh, I think uh, a bunch of us here, we got just added to uh, you know a group chat like two years ago, and here we are now. And it's just really crazy, just like seeing like how small the space is, and really how those connections can develop. Circling back to the scent thing, because you got me, uh, <laughs> you got me, uh, you got me wondering. You've really been around here for a minute now. So you've seen like the rise and fall of everybody like mm-hmm. NFT drama <laughs> like <laughs> what was like the fate what was like honestly like your favorite moment in the space like either just pure entertainment wise or just just something top tier hmm I'm trying to think of some like throwback weird stuff uh, I remember there was there was a time where I would say the fall of 2020 where Rarible kind of rose and they, they, they had the Rary token and there was just all this drama about the leaderboards and like influencers would come in and drop like huge things and take up all the Rary tokens. And like, then there'd become like artists would make renditions of these influencers pumping their bags. And it was, it was all very silly because it was so new and it was such a small community that we could all like laugh at the absurdity of everything. I really enjoyed that. Um, early drama. I don't know. There was some, it's, it's funny. Cause like there, some of the drama is so silly. Uh, like um, there was this artist who uh, I'm, I'm good friends with now. Ikaita. He was very clever in that he created alter egos with different styles and to figure out which one would connect with people the most and people figured it out and he had to like disclose it and be like yeah i'm actually this other artist as well that's <laughs> like that's really so clever like that's a really clever like kind of marketing technique i'm sure people didn't see it as a time but like you know yeah like, that's that's kind of something else Yo, I'm glad wait, you mentioned remember twisted vacancy stop <laughs> i didn't want to go down that uh... route I just I'm now I'm just thinking about like the OG variable days like BitBoy dropping NFTs Ivan on tech. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Ivan was the one I was thinking of because yeah. he had the big boy pants ones. God, um, that's so cringe. I I just remember BitBoy because that was a whole thing. Uh, he stole someone's art, 
and uh, paid oh, them. Yeah. Five, it, it, and then he paid them like five hundred bucks or something. And then they're just like, <laughs> you sold it for like two thousand, three thousand. And then like that, that, like uh, you had like trash artists come in and uh, you know kind of defend defend him, which you know I respect the principle for defending trash art. I didn't yeah, at the time. I did. I didn't at the time. I'll be hundred percent honest. But defending BitBoy, oof, oof. Yeah. Um, no, the, the trash art thing was weird because it was like I, some of my collectors um, kind of fought against it at the time, and a lot of them have walked it back since. But it put me in a weird position because, like, I didn't care. I thought it was funny, um, but like, it was it was weird because it's a really. I understood strange, both sides. Yeah. Right. Like, it's a really strange line to walk because like you know you kind of get why some some people are upset naturally like rightly fully upset about it by like you know their work getting stolen and everything but you also get like the perspective for trash artists where it's just kind of like oh fuck you right yeah and you know like um were you were you in the space for like the super rare uh trash artist era or was that yep. uh yeah i was oh, there man. But I, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I, I kind of was hands off on it, but I watched yeah. it and I'm, I'm um, friends with like Second Realm and Rob Ness and all them. But I'm also yeah, you know, my, they're like Realm. Jimmy and Whale Shark were my collectors, too. And so it was like it was like seeing people that I liked fighting each other. And I was like, I'm just going to stay out of this. <laughs> just just damn. That's crazy. Not my, my business, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like I, 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 you know, for people that don't know, there was like um, like Hackatow had art. And they took Hakatao's art and they put it on Super Rare, but they remixed it. And I think Hakatao was upset about that. And so then they put, and then the Hakatao collectors were kind of siding with that situation. And then, you know, the free speech people were siding with the other. And it was this kind of tough position because it's like, you know, who's who's right and who's wrong? It's it's all art and it's all like, you know, it's it's very similar to what we're seeing with like rider rips um it was much more lighthearted back then it was it significantly it was significantly less cringe uh back then i will say that you know yeah um, it was all of, it was it was such yeah, again it was a tight community of like i'm guessing there was probably what like a thousand people in the nft space back then it was oh, very probably. small probably yeah like the rareable days like that that was nuts um yeah like and like every everyone back then was just like for the most part, I'm not going to say everybody, but like for the most part, but they were like kind of like relatively good about everything too. I remember, I think I was debating with Second Realm, uh, Second Realm uh, about like trash art or something, and then uh, we he he like remixed an old photo of steak or something, and like I think, <laughs> I think he might actually still have that in his wallet or something. I don't know. Good times though. It's yeah. It's really crazy to see like how it's evolved, you know. Yeah. Well, it, it it was weird because uh, my first new gateway drop was the day after Beeple's first, and so like that was I was like, oh, okay. Well, the, like the space has just instantly changed, and now I'm uh, you know in this other position than what I thought I was because that totally. You know, Nifty Gateway was around from when I started, but it was under the radar. No one yeah. really was paying attention to it. Um, it was just another platform. And then that like catapulted it and like brought in so many collectors that were, you know, that onboarded so many people that and NBA Top Shot. And like there was just so much that happened right in that moment. And then like the, the crypto 
Joe Punk's brought in just like two people really quickly, and the whole space just like changed within like five months really quickly. It was yeah, it was like really just like really just like a big snowball event. I mean, like you couldn't you couldn't like really even talk to anyone before about like you know I'm selling JPEGs or like you know I'm selling selling little little silly uh, pictures and. <laughs> Without them looking at you, like, all right, man, and like nowadays you'll still get that look a little bit, but like it's, a little bit, yeah, yeah, it's it's significantly less. So, yeah, so, there's yeah. a big difference between me reaching out to people and being like, "You really should take this seriously." I think there's something here to like. Then five months later, having all of them reach out to me and be like, "How yeah, do just I get like, <laughs> just like sorry, man, just saw your message." <laughs> I was like, I sent you an email a year ago. Go check. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really funny too because I I swear like there is like some bigger artists that uh, X Copy was reaching out to back in the day about yeah. NFTs and everything. I, I I forget who. I just remember seeing a screenshot of it and you know, like some of the like like the OGs as yourself. I mean, yeah. like, I I think he might have reached out to people, right? I think yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, uh, yeah. but like you know. It, it was i gotta imagine it was a lot harder to really kind of sell people on this foreign topic now and now we yeah. got everything under the sun well to me it made so much sense because i had been i i prefer to make digital art and so i've been doing the you know i'd been doing those gallery shows in la for eight years at that point and I would have to draw them in Photoshop and then I'd print them out on transparency paper and then I'd hand paint the back of them and I'd turn them into these shadow boxes that looked like 3D animation cells. And oh, then I'd have shit. To ship, and then I'd have to ship... Yeah, if you go to my website, um, there's a section where you can kind of see them. Um, but I would ship them out to LA. The gallery would take 50%. And then all in all, I had to spend like a week making something that I would make like $50 on. And so when NFTs came, I was like, well, one, I'm an animator. I prefer motion. And then that immediately appealed to me. And then, you know, the secondary royalties, the lower percentage from super rare and other galleries, like it immediately clicked where I was like, oh, this is this is it. You know, like this is a platform built for what I'm my strengths are. And so it very, you know, it was. For me, it was like this is a continuation of what I missed about Tumblr and all these other platforms where you could kind of share and get feedback, which I'd been doing for 20 or 15 years or whatever. And so, yeah, if to me, it, it was like I felt like my whole career was building towards this uh, world, creating a whole career path for us, you know? Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Um, I can't even imagine like the work, like, work you must have put into like some of their older pieces. And it just seems like, it just seems so silly like looking back it's like for 50 bucks and everything like that that's it i mean but... they sold for you know they well i think they sold for around like 300 dollars, which was great um, oh for sure but i would get 150 but then supplies and shipping would cost me like 50 to 100 so in the end my profits were like 50 um but yeah i think you know maybe i you know some of those the, the other problem with those is that i i just don't know who owns those anymore that in the blockchain is like i have a, a a personal connection with a lot of my collectors i've, I've reached out and talked to almost all of them uh, and with those they'd be like oh your piece sold and i would have no idea who had it and i'd never see it again you know damn yeah because like for these sales like you weren't even i can't imagine you were even in the same city for some of them were you no i only was able to go to like one or two of the shows um it's it's a cool gallery. It's called Gallery Nineteen Eight. It's still around. They they do pop culture art shows, 
so they I did like an official Rick and Morty art show or like a Monty Python. Art <laughs> oh show. shit. Yeah. Uh, they're all like fun things like that and so they'd give you these themes they'd be like we're doing movies from the year 1984 or whatever and then you just pick a movie and make a piece of art based on it and so I kind of liked that idea of having like prompts and inspiration to work from but when I joined the NFT space I didn't want to bring that perspective and so I kind of started fresh with my own art uh, because I didn't want one I didn't want to be known as someone that created art based on other people's creativity you know um and then i didn't want to run into any sort of ip issues with like someone you know 20th century fox reaching out and be like hey you can't sell oh yeah i'm sure they i'm sure they would have been knocking on your door now yeah probably (laughs) doing it with those galleries the galleries do all the legal paperwork in that sense and get the rights and stuff yeah that's true i mean like it's really interesting like the role of galleries because like i don't i know a good probably a good majority of uh, people in the space right now like aren't haven't worked with the gallery before or haven't like really interacted with them and like the difference between a good gallery and uh, a really shady gallery is like night and day but the the benefits of not even having to deal with any of that and just kind of doing it yourself like i know it's hard in the space to kind of really break out there and everything but being able to like control everything from you know, release, drop schedule, uh, you know, being able to even, as you said, like build a relationship with the people who, uh, who purchased your art. Like that's like, that's just really realistically an artist stream. Like we are, it's a fantastic time to be an artist, like bear market, not whatever. I just think it's just amazing. Totally. And even, even my relationship with those galleries is still strong. I don't do them as much anymore because, um, for obvious reasons it's just you know maybe i'll do it in the future but it was just too much work uh for you know, 50 bucks or for sure yeah um, no. but um uh there was a gallery in brooklyn that i did uh, like a mario themed show for mario brothers um called bottleneck gallery and then they reached out to me um i would say right at the beginning of 2021 and was like hey I want, we want to get into nfts how do we do it and i worked with them and now they're 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 like a really strong company in the space called Genetic Chain, and they've done many drops, generic or generative and PFPs. And I've worked with them and done some drops called like uh, Tiny Ghost and Scale Yeah, which is this like Funko artist uh, PFP oh, wow. projects. And so it's like it's fun to see like those traditional artists or traditional galleries have kind of evolved and found their groove in this space too, because you know a lot of the principles carry over. For sure. Yeah, no. And I think it's really uh, the galleries who actually have the ability to kind of zoom out and realize like, hey, um, you know, this is yeah. kind yeah. of a net positive all around. It's like if, you know, you actually take the time to learn and you take the time to examine like what's what's happening in the space and, you know, like what everyone else is doing, what works, what doesn't. You realize like it's kind of cool to see like how some of these galleries have really adapted and, uh, you know, they're here for they're here for the long run. It's true. They renovated their whole space to have a uh, TV digital display screens now instead of oh no way wall. So it's pretty really? funny to see the that's evolution. Kind of yeah, that's kind of base. Show us to them. So like while we're while we're speaking on galleries and everything, um, you've uh, like you've really worked with some of the big boys here. Uh, I think what was it <laughs> like? Yeah, you you know I gotta say it. You know I gotta yeah. say it. Um. 
Yeah, you really uh, kind of uh, worked with worked with Sotheby's, right? And oh, oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, those are both those are both interesting cases. Um, I've I've technically been in Sotheby's twice and Christie's once, but uh, none of those were primary sales. They were all secondary. So um, really, so two of them were art blocks lots because I was one of the first art blocks. And so they were selling these um, collections of like the first three series of art blocks. And so my, my Nimbuds project got kind of lumped into those um, one sold at Sotheby's and that was kind of known as Sotheby's set for a while. Um, and especially like last summer, a lot of collectors were like trying to collect that full set. Um, and then they did another one in the fall which got a very large bid, which I'm sure they would have taken now. <laughs> but at the time, I remember it that yeah. it, it, didn't, it didn't meet the reserve. And so I think they ended up breaking it off and selling it piecemeal. So technically I was in Christie's, but that piece did not sell. Um, but then about a month later, um, my Genesis piece from Super Rare uh, was in a, the, it was like Sotheby's Metaverse, where they did that like website based one. And so oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, it, it resold there. It was sold from a uh, Jimmy.eth, who was my first collector. Shout out, Jimmy. Shout uh, out, Jimmy. Show, it sold to uh, Pranksy, who was also an early collector. Uh, also, very uh, awesome dude. That's, that's crazy. Like, I like what I want to know is just like, what was like, even though, like, I know it's like secondary and it obviously, it, you know, would have been <laughs> cool. It would have been cool. Yeah, if yeah. It was primary and everything. But that's still must have been like an off feeling like just being oh, yeah. able to just kind of you know have that it, accolade no it was definitely very validating and in the For same sure. way that like getting on super rare and nifty gateway were um they're all you know to me they're all achievements um and the, yeah i think all... it, it was cool like christie's was especially neat because I worked across the street from it at 30 rock for so many years and before I would go into work if they had a, they, they call them like the post-war shows where they have like all of the 1920s and later stuff, which I'm not big on like Renaissance art or anything like that. Like I'm not offending anybody, but no, I'm a big I fan don't... of like pop art and like uh, contemporary art. Um, and so when they would have those, you could walk in without it. You know, there's no tickets or anything. You just walk in and you can just walk up to a bunch of like Van Gogh's and Damien Hirst and Warhol's and all this stuff for free. And so I would always walk in there because I found it super inspiring and super cool because it's like a it's like a pop up art museum every time they do one of those. And uh, all the pieces that you see are going to go into like private collections and never be seen again. So it's like this really weird thing to check out. And so then to see my art in there, um, you know, across the street from where I worked was like super surreal and super like validating. And it felt really great. Oh, yeah. That sounds like meta as hell. Just like being like, yo, I know that place. Hey, yo, I'm in that place. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. The Sotheby's one uh, was in London, the first one, and the other one was in the metaverse. So that wasn't something I could go to, unfortunately. Mm, such is life. Oh, well. Uh, oh, well. Who knows? Who knows what 20, <laughs> I forgot what year it is, 2022 is going to bring, you know? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, they have some cool shows. They just, uh, Christie's just had a drop that I think did okay. Um, so I think, you know, they're still figuring out ways. Oh, for sure. It's, uh, I forget uh, who he's with, but it's kind of cool to see, uh, what's his face, uh, Noah, just really dive headfirst into the space and really kind of. Yeah. Um, 
I thought that I thought that was really cool, just being able to bridge that kind of uh, trad art versus uh, trad art kind of history, and having like someone like with his accolades and his experience under his belt really dive head first. I, I thought that was really inspiring. It kind of sets a good precedent for um, some of the more trad art familiar people to kind of you know at least dip your toes in. Right? Yeah. No, I, I I'm really happy for Noah. Um, I I got to m- grab drinks with him like a year ago and got to know him and he's he's a really great dude and it was very clear that like he was fighting a battle at Christie's to like uh bring attention to NFTs and digital art and I think a lot of people laughed at him and all this and so now the fact that he's like in charge at, uh, is like super bittersweet because it's like like definitely where he belongs because he definitely believes in the space. Oh yeah. No, shout out Noah. So circling back to a little bit, um, while we're ta- kind of talking about like some of the benefits of the space and the tech and every- how everything has kind of evolved, you've uh, you had an art black art art blacks art blocks drop uh, <laughs> yeah uh, like way back when. Shout out Nimbuds. Um, <laughs> how like how is that experience for you? And also like um, like how do you think how do you feel like uh, like just watching how the space has really kind of opened its arms? T- to uh, generative art um yeah so uh again i'm gonna give a shout out to uh nifty time matthew who i mentioned earlier he had shared a tweet about um an art blocks project called like deconstructed elevation i think um which was those like pie charts uh, essentially in a grid but you could move your mouse over it and they animated and that was when i was like oh this is like on chain interactive art this is cool um because i'd always been trying to figure out how to do on chain art and no one was like really kind of figuring it out at the time um and so that inspired me and going back again to talking about me trying to convince friends to join the space um uh my 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 buddy Manny uh, Morales who I went to college with, um, we worked at SNL together for years. I'd been telling him a long time, you gotta, you gotta check out NFTs. This is like, this is it to the point where he was like, please stop telling me about NFTs. (laughs) But (laughs) I think, I think we all got like that one friend who was just sick of our shit and just talked about it. So he, he was like enough. Uh, but what he, what he liked doing was coding because he would, code scripts for after effects and cinema 4d and create like workflow solutions for snl and so i was like you like to code check out this art blocks thing it's code-based art and he's like oh this is cool i think i could figure something out and so then i i saw um lux pre kind of take his super rare work and port it over into interactive thing and so manny and i were looking at uh, my my cloudy pieces that were on um nifty gateway uh, at the end of October. Uh, and this was in like December. Um, and so we were like, oh, I think we can turn this into something. I think we could create generative clouds with strings. Um, and so that was just us messing around over like a holiday uh, when we were off of work from SNL. And we just spent like two weeks kind of workshopping this project. And then uh, the, the the faces kind of came late in the game. We weren't really sure what it was going to be, but then we wanted to add more diversity. We did the faces and stuff like that. Um, but it was it was just us kind of playing around, seeing what was possible. It was all pure JavaScript, um, and then yeah, and then it launched. And you know, shout out to Manny; he's now one of the lead 
like devs at Pixel Vault. Um, he's been working there for like a year. And so it's like pretty crazy to, you know, I had, he, he came into the space kicking and screaming and now he works on one of the biggest projects in the space. So <laughs> very proud of him. Shout out, shout out, Manny. Uh, but yeah, so I, that, that at the time was, I, I saw the potential of it. I didn't foresee it becoming so huge. Um, I also didn't foresee the rise in profile pictures because like, Technically, it's an on-chain generative character project that's before hash masks or board apes or any of that stuff. But at the time, I was kind of seeing it more as... Um, I saw it more akin to uh, blind box toys at like Kid Robot, yeah. what they used to love to go to. Yeah, 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 and, so I that, see that. and so that's why if you click on the Nimbud, it puts it into a box. Because I was like, oh, these are random blind box toys, essentially, not necessarily profile pictures. But it's it's kind of wild that like that drop pre like it was a bit ahead of both of those trends that kind of consumed the space very quickly. Um, but yeah, at the time it was a lot of like trying to educate people on what generative art was, which wasn't easy. You know, uh, it was like art blocks collectors were mostly just like on chain maxis that were like, this is cool. Yeah, for sure. No, like I think uh, the people, like the main people who were like, like really talk art box, like before everything popped off or who are like crypto native and um really people with like the strong tech backgrounds or the strong coding backgrounds who actually knew and had like a history of uh you know like what gender who actually saw the vision of like what generative art could be right and like it's it's really been surreal like just watching watching the rise like from like a from like an outsider just because like you know five years ago i didn't know what generative art was and now like it's cool seeing like how you have like art blocks like factory playground curated fx hash gen art like everything come up and you know these people start to get their flowers and start to get like recognition for their work totally yeah that's where you know where there's a lot of people like Tyler Hobbs and Dimitri who had been doing this for many, many years. I felt a little weird because I had, I did it all in like a month before <laughs> my drop. <laughs> but uh, like, yeah, there's definitely like that whole genre has been going on for decades and decades without much. Um, yeah. It, like no one was getting their flowers and they were all doing amazing stuff. And it's amazing that the rise of the NFT generative art has now, created a huge amount of fans of that genre in general. Oh yeah. No. And like, um, it's really, it's really also kind of interesting to see like how you, um, it's really inspired people to, uh, you know, start looking at this as like something, uh, something that they can play with. Cause you know, you had people with the tech backgrounds and you know, the know-how who didn't even know this was a, thing before and now you start seeing them like get chosen and it's it's really cool to see like um like people trying new things and just kind of playing around in the space right yeah like you said the snowball effect i remember when i did nimbuds like a week later uh rich lord reached out because he had been doing a lot of stuff in like houdini and he was like oh i wonder if i could port over my houdini work into this art blocks thing and then you know half a year later he did geometry runners which is one of the biggest uh drops in like art blocks history and then you know and then he helped code jen stark's vortex drop and so it's it's amazing to oh, see wow. like these little things like again snowball and become bigger and bigger cooler things and so it's like yeah 
it's really awesome to watch. I think it's also just like a really like a big testament on uh to just playing around in the space and just kind of, you know, trying new things, seeing what works and, you know, just making cool shit for the sake of making cool shit. Like you you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where it's going to take you. Yeah, I was talking to somebody the other night and they were just kind of like, "Oh, you did all, all these things so early on." And I'm like, "Well, the the things that become popular everyone's like oh you were so smart for doing that and then the things that um fade away people just forget about i think thankfully because exactly. like i did a whole lot of things <laughs> and some and some connected with people and some didn't and that's okay um but i i do i i definitely like there was a lot of things early on that i was like we were pushing the technology a little too fast i think i did art vitars which was like the first oh yeah uh, i remember that Polygon PF um, Collective, which was the first Immutable X like card pack dropped like NFT project, and like the the again with the same with the art blocks, it's a lot of education on like explaining to people how to bridge over ETH to other chains and stuff like that. So you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but you have to take some of these leaps. Um, same thing with like um, I did a drop on versus, which is a flow based NFT platform, but I loved the drop mechanics behind that site. And it's like, is flow NFTs going to become a thing outside of like NBA and NFL? Who knows? But like, you know, it was still a fun thing to try. I forgot about flow. Oh my God. No, it's um, no, like, yeah, just uh, just one hundred percent agree. You never, you never know what's gonna what's gonna happen. You never know where it's gonna take you. And you know, hopefully, people remember the good stuff. And just the good things is that if you you know you fuck up some drops or whatever, they got the attention span of goldfishes anyway. Everything moves so <laughs> artificially fast. Yeah. So yeah, you know, and I don't no, think anything. None none of those were necessarily like rug pulls or anything. It was all artists base drops and so i feel like it's a, they're all long-term bets on artists continuing to grow i 100%. mean Noel's in the the crowd um me and him were both a part of pranksy's advent calendar drop which i don't think a lot of people necessarily remember that drop oh, but God, they probably they probably remember like nft boxes which is still going strong but that was the prototype for that and you know that that's got us into hundreds of wallets and it was a great way to like uplift artists um and so I think, you know, those type of things, people might not necessarily remember it, but the art's going to be there forever. Mm -hmm. And at the time, like, like, as you said, like people did care. I remember even, um, oh, who did the soda cans? Was that Pranksy too? Um, that was Zbot, X-I-B-O-T. Okay. All right. I, I remember. So. Yeah, he, yeah. I definitely made a soda can. And next, I, I wonder if those X copy soda cans are still around. Those are probably worth something. Anybody in the audience should go scope them out. They're probably worth yeah. <laughs> probably hiding in on rareable right now. Might have actually gave some alpha there. Holy shit. That's a first. <laughs> that's a first for a burrito <laughs> down space. But like that, that, that was a fun project. Yeah, it was like a silly little project of selling like 10. 10 soda cans at like 0.1 ETH each or whatever. And we split the profits or whatever. And it was, it was all silly. Oh yeah. But it, like at the time, like people cared and like, it was like cool just being like at that time when you didn't like, nobody really knew like this, like this whole shit was going to explode in the matter of a year or whatever. Nobody knew that was going to happen. It was just mostly just kind of another cool thing to, to do because like outside of that, like, you know, how are you going to get people to see and really kind of care about your art, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. 
All right, so we, we got we're, we're all just artists trying to shout and be heard in this void. Right, and it is hard. It is tiresome, and I don't know how many like how much experience like that people in the space have with like traditional shows, like uh, like um, not even galleries, just you know, like little pop ups and everything. Those are hard. <laughs> Those are really hard. Yeah, like, I mean that. Like, that was the benefit of doing those gallery shows in LA that they were group shows. And so you'd have like 50 to 80 artists in a show. And by that logic, you get a bunch of people coming, <laughs> friends of them and you fill up a gallery space. But yeah, being an artist by yourself is probably, I've, I've never done a solo show like that, but um, it's a much more difficult task. Oh yeah. No, it's, it seems really daunting. I don't know how people do it. Shout out if you're still doing it. I don't you're a brave, braver person than I am. I'll tell you that. Max is in the audience. He he puts on great group shows. Man, we love Max. We we're we're Max Maxi, if you will. <laughs> um. <laughs> so we got around five minutes left. You said you have a drop coming up on Friday. Shout out to that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, that that one's going to be a special drop. Um, oh. It's a collaboration with this awesome artist named Rich Caldwell, um, who does uh, drone aerial photography of, I think, California. Um, But uh, it's a piece where I took his aerial photography of a highway and I uh, removed all the cars and then rebuilt them as like my color cars and I animated them all. And so it's going to be this piece that's a one of one, but it'll be built with Transient Labs, which is a cool a group of people making really interesting NFTs. And so this contract will have something called a shatter contract in it. And so whoever buys this one of one will have the power to shatter this NFT and it turns it into 16 unique variations of these cars. And so some of them are like all green variant. Some of them are driving at twice the speed. Some of them are little, little spheres instead of cars. And so you get, you'll then get 16 one of ones or a collection of pieces and you as the owner of that piece can decide what you do with it. You could sell them all off piecemeal. You could gift them to your friends and try to build a group around these pieces, or you can hold like keep it as a one of one for yourself and just have that power. And so I think, you know, going into these ideas of like trying new things and seeing what happens, I think this one is really open-ended and it really, it gives the power to the collector to then, be the marketer and creator of the project in a, in a sense, you know what I mean? So they have, they have control over how the, the mechanics will function after that. That's so cool. Like, <laughs> that, like that is so cool. Shout out to trying new things. I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where this goes. Cause like, it really sounds like it's, it's something special. I'm, yeah. I think it'll be interesting. If I think if I'm trying to think of like what I would do, I would probably, hold a third of them i would probably sell a third of them and then i'd probably gift a third of them to them to prominent collectors i trust to like build the value but we'll see what people do it's up to them yeah no like i i want i like i don't know what i would do i might like i would like i'm sorry king i'm shattering that shit as soon as i get that but like, oh yeah yeah no it, <laughs> it's definitely getting shattered uh i i don't foresee it being unshattered yeah but like you know, I think like as you said, like building kind of kind of like cool, like a not cool, like a community around it, or like some sort of collective around it, that would be kind of based because you know you we've seen 
communities form just about over everything in this space. So, like, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Joe, what would you do? What, oh, what would I do? I'm not going to lie. I might have been zoned out just a, just a little bit. <laughs> Why don't you refresh me? <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Uh, no, what but yeah, would you but... do? Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Let's refresh, Joe. Let's refresh, Joe. Yeah, I'm down for the question. All right. So, Brinkman, you explained it. I, I, okay. That's, so, that's it's, a, it's a one of one that you can break into 16 unique oh, pieces. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, what, what oh, would I'm you do with sure those pieces? that shit. Frame one. Frame one, I'm yeah. shattering that shit. With but then, the same block what do you do with them? The, see, I'd probably give it to the a lot of the burrito dao homies. So that's an idea right there. You could me, you could just uh, give it to a little mini dao, and then every and then it, you know, like there's like grailer dows and stuff like that. It could just go into a dao's vault, you know, and those pieces could just hold. Who knows? Yeah, for sure. I guess I think you it'll know. Be sick to see. Oh yeah, I guess I guess we'll find out Friday. <laughs> yeah we'll see uh, it's gonna be I'm, I'm hoping it goes well um like i said i'm gonna be in london so i'm gonna like be like doing travel and all this other stuff while i'm also trying to market it so fingers crossed i can i can do that well but uh i'm appreciate being able to come on here and talk about it this is all part of it man thank you for your time i know i i know you're a busy man and you got a life to live and all that so it's always love from from the burritos it's it's awesome chatting with you guys. I love you all. Um, we'll have to play some Fortnite again soon. That was a lot of fun. Hell I don't want yeah. to wanna speak yes, about please. Fortnite. I don't want to speak yes, about please, Fortnite. Wait, no. I got one more question. Oh, I didn't don't even know you were on stage, no? Yeah, the he's a little shy, boy. <laughs> <laughs> he got too wait, what, to talk. Wait, what's the, what's the question? Um, so, if you could own... Um, a snake or a guinea pig? What would you pick? Ooh, I pick a guinea pig. Wait, are they in the same room? Because the snake would probably eat the guinea pig, right? That's that's yeah, true. They, um, I, I I like uh, guinea pigs are kind of fun. Uh, I like them. Snakes, I I think I would be the guinea pig because you know if you're a snake, everyone's gonna run from you right away. The guinea pig seems like it has a chill life. You get to like. Run around in a cage. Everyone like loves you. Um, I think I'd go that way. See, like my biggest concern is like every every guinea pig I've like known someone to have, have is like just died like in a horrific death. Oh my and god, that's fucked up. It is. What the hell, Mew? Maybe I'm. I'm just. But now I want to know how they died. Okay, one of them got its head stuck in the <laughs> wheel and oh, like, no. kept running it, and then it just like broke its own neck and like, oh no and like that and like that's just that's wild like that's wild another another <laughs> another what oh yeah probably what's happening right now this is morbid this is this is what happens when you let me talk too much i also had an energy drink today <laughs> it's sugar it's it's the sugar cereal taking over my fault all right thank you for all your right. time Always we'll love. do. We'll do a guinea pig death show another time. Let's do it. I still got like three more to go <sighs> through. I got three <laughs> more to go through. Uh, next time. But again, thank you guys for having me. Uh, love what you're all doing, and uh, thanks for everyone that's in the audience listening. I see a lot of a lot of friends out there. Good to see y'all.
Hello, friends. Goodbye, friends. All right, stay safe, stay hydrated. All love, always. Go share, share Brinkman's Drop Friday. Peace. Goodbye, friends. Thank you for coming.